I would like to introduce my guest, Anel Shani. Anel is 32 years old, graduate from Hall University in Supply Chain and Linguistics Management. Whilst at university, he saw that students at Hall University found it difficult to get hold of taxes. He therefore started his first business as offering taxi services. This is where he found his niche in travel and transportation. In 2017, he returned to the Midlands. He became planning coordinator, product buyer. He also took on postgraduate diploma in Chartered Institute of Procurement Supply Chain at Danby College. In 2017, he set up a vending and built the franchise from 10 vending machines to 120 sites across the West by 2020. He was looking to invest in another business and opened three graphic laundry and dry cleaning stores. Then in 2021, he spotted the MBE, which is Mailbox, etc., Rochester business on the market. By 2022, he bought the Rochester Mailbox business. He, now, he not only now offers services in printing, etc., but he also he's also introducing a hybrid business model online and in person. He's taking the Mailbox, etc., business to another level, for instance, by offering services from printing brochures, T-shirts, supporting customers with website designing and SEO, social media accounts. If a customer wants the shipping, the mailbox offers an end-to-end fulfillment service. Managing customers' logistics, he wants to offer customers all that and more. Welcome to Black Canvas to a Masterpiece podcast with your host, Sandra Heimer. And, and on top of that, he speaks five languages. And now please tell us the five languages you speak. Well, well, basically, I'm originally from East Africa, so I speak five languages. So I speak Swahili, Arabic, French, English, and Kinyarwanda. And loves, and you also love self-development. Yes, I do. Definitely. Yeah. Welcome, 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 welcome. So before we begin, I just want to say well done. Congratulations. Well done for everything you've done. I admire your absolute determination and honor you for being here. And thank you for being a, a great friend because we're actually building up a friendship, which is really magical because how we build up the friendship is quite inspiring. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for being here. I think, I don't know if you know, but on this podcast, I believe that we all have the resources to fill our full potential in life. So what I want to know from you, I want to know, I want to hear your story. I want to know what drives you, what pushes you, what is your story, what motivates you in the, and what's motivated you in the beginning. What is the driving force and what encourages you to keep on going, building your businesses? Please tell us your story. I think for me, I'm motivated by change. I want to make change and having an impact, really, and to leave a legacy and also mm-hmm. to empower other youngsters that they can do the same thing as me, to be quite honest. So I'm all about coaching people and developing people to see the leader in them. So I grew up in Birmingham already seeing a lot of Asians doing businesses. And I was always kind of inspired. Why not us black people? Why are we left behind by our generation? Why don't we support one another? So that kind of always motivated me. Like there's no limits within self-employment, really. You can go as, as big as you want. You know, it's you set the tone how much money you want to make and what type of lifestyle you want to make. So for me, Money is good, but it's not the main biggest motivator. So my main motivation is picking something I enjoy, love doing, and also serving a need. Whenever I look around, if something is not done properly, I feel like this is how I want to get involved because I'm all about serving people and humanity. I love that. I love that. 
because I feel like I'm all about serving people. And I think if you're serving people and you're happy about, even if it's a free service, it's it just fulfills you. It fulfills your own, like it fulfills your potential and it fulfills you as a person inside. So I really do love that. So just give us a little insight on what strategies have you used to maximize your potential in business and also in your personal life as well? I think the main thing that I've used to maximize my, I'm a bit of a, a professional, I'll be a well CD. When I'm passionate about something, mm. I will study into great detail. I don't do DIY, so I like to know I'm the best at what I do. I don't compete with no one. I just do me to say. Whereas my calling in life, when I found it through personal development, is travel, trade, transportation. And that's why I went to uni to study logistic management, because it's all about people, process, and system. And I actually realized that you need the three combinations to work well, to work well together. So I realized for me to scale a business, I needed people. And I also needed good process and systems. So it's like a triangle, really. I'd be like mm-hmm. the Egyptian pyramid. Mm-hmm. And that's what it, that's what my logo represents. So yeah. obviously my origin, I'm from origin of East Africa. So Rafiki means friend. So if you go to East Africa, for example, we all are very, very hospitable. Hence why we're known for tourism. If you look at Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, Zanzibar, it's, it's that nature. When you arrive in mm-hmm. Kampala or Nairobi or Dar es Salaam, you feel the people, the people will move you. Mm-hmm. So when I when I grew up in England, some people are just not great at serving, especially the further south you go, service begins to decline. Whereas I'm from the Midlands, Birmingham, we still have that local community. I'm not more so people are very friendly. We're all about having that little chat, getting to know people, you know, by names and remembering. But the further south you go, you don't get that. So yeah, that's to be a long story, but it's what what drives me really. Okay, tell us a bit more about your brand, Rafik, because I know you've got the laundry service and you've got the printing. I just give us a bit more background, how that started, how that that passion of yours started. Well, I initiated the idea after when I went to Egypt. So I looked at the Egyptian pyramid when I went there during the pandemic 2020. And I saw the reason why people love this. The Egyptian pyramid was built on strong foundation. Mm-hmm. And then because I had two twins, Obviously, which that's what the heads represent. So that's like ah, I am. Like, you know, I love it. Yeah. So, you got, uh, so it's a symbol of blood is thicker than water. If you build things with the right foundation, it cannot break. So the Egyptian pyramid, why it's still standing, is being built with the right foundation. So the Rafiki meaning has a lot of substance. For my daughter's head, twins, mm. is they can't let one another. So the bond is that strong. So it's the same culture that I've implemented in my business. So it started off as Rafiki Vending. And what I liked about the Rafiki name, because I'm from origin East Africa, it was an easy name to resonate with the Westernized. I didn't want to pick something that's too complex, like Hakuna Matata. You know, <laughs> African names are quite long. But I, I love African names. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I watched the Lion King movie as well. <laughs> if you remember the character Mufasa and Rafiki, I was like, yeah. that, that, movie won an, that movie won an Oscar for a reason. So I thought mm-hmm. that was the combination when I'm doing my personal mm-hmm. development of Rafiki can become a household name. So it would easily resonate with people. It won the Oscar movie for, say, mm-hmm. the Lion King movie. Mm-hmm. And I did a survey. I asked, what, does, what do you think of that name? I was like, oh, wow, we, we love it. Then, yeah. That's what Rafiki means. So the mm-hmm. triangle means we look after our suppliers, we look mm-hmm. after our customers and our staff. So if you do the three things together, 
Mm-hmm. That's the foundation. Okay. So we should link into the twins and the, uh, the Egyptian pyramids and the, the branding. You can't go wrong. I want to go a, bit, a little bit deeper. I know I'm going to ask you. I know you said that you want to help people, right? I remember you yeah. said that, right? But it's, I remember me and you having this conversation and you said something happened to you that made you be more determined. Do you remember what that was? Oh, wow. You're digging that deep. I, I want to, do you know what it is? Because I really want people to understand that this isn't just, you didn't wake up with a dream and then it just happened. You mm. had a purpose. You had a reason. And I want, I want people to hear that reason because I think to me, when we spoke, it really, it really like, caught me like there in the in the core and I thought people need to hear this and I remember you say I remember saying to you people need to hear your story because it's very inspiring especially to the young men that we have nowadays can you dig a little deeper you are you ready for that no is that the story when I got stabbed yeah yeah something around those lines just give give us the the turnaround the little I'll call it the little tipping point that got you in that movement yeah of course well there's no hiding so I'll be honest um yeah, I got stabbed when I was 15 years old in Birmingham. So at a time in Birmingham, it's 2006, while I was still in secondary school. Yeah, 2006, five years, just leaving year nine. In Birmingham, in a city kids, there was a lot of stabbing in Birmingham, you know, no role models. So yeah, I was always that kid, I know. I was popular, had a bit of charms and personality. <laughs> or had a bit of, <laughs> a bit of attitude, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Always like a ladies' man, very popular, not even mm. not cocking arrogant. But yeah, so I was into sports, very competitive, always wanted to be a winner. And just hanging around with the wrong people. You know? So obviously it was mm. cool to hang around with a gang. You know, it was cool. We go to the parties, the house parties, mm. you know. We would jump on the bus, listening to music. Obviously London was predominantly like, listening to Garage. And then, yeah, going to the parties. So someone had invited me to a party, you know, 15. All we cared about was the party and dressing up and the ladies. So it's like, that was a lie. I, could, I so, know, I, I see it and I feel it. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that, was, that was the life. You know, mm-hmm. with the boys, with the man, they couldn't get the most careless, mm-hmm. gay, all sh- See, it was just stories about mm-hmm. just stuff, really silly stuff that are really meaningless. But yeah, I got invited to a party by one girl that was linking at the time. So, so yeah, I go in there with my boys. And then somebody trying to rob my phone at a party. And this is what would happen in Birmingham normally. These were the time before technology came and iPhone. People were trying mm-hmm. to say, you know, trying mm-hmm. to rob your phone. Like, yo, what you got for me? You know, I was like, I ain't got nothing for you, you know? Like, what do you mm-hmm. mean? So I wasn't having it. So, mm-hmm. you know, so they, they kicked off. I was like, I'm not going to let someone take me like a dickhead. Someone robbed you. Your mm-hmm. pride is like, yes, it's violated me. Mm. So I kicked off. I said, No, I'm not giving you nothing. I'm not giving you nothing. So I kicked off. We kicked off. I was like, Do you know who I am? I said, I don't care who you are. So that's meaningless to me. So we were exchanging words. So I'm not having it. So you what? You know, make your threat in the community you sent at that time before the government cut. This is where the parties will take place. <laughs> so I was like, So you watch. So he went around with the boys. Obviously, we're partying. The music is on. We're partying. Mm. So I'm going to get my boys in his ends, you know, around Kings Norton in Birmingham. So he mm-hmm. got his boys. He said, I'm going to go and draw for the shank, you know? So obviously that's the language that people are using at the time. You know, I wasn't having it. I didn't even know. So the party's finished. You know, someone was trying to make the name for himself, the drama. So I took a nail down. So I was like, yeah, I was just literally standing outside with my boys and waiting for the boss, the last boss. 
we didn't have money to get back home. <laughs> <laughs> for the last I remember those week. days. <laughs> you know, but bam. So the kid come out of nowhere with his voice. I didn't know what's happening. I got rushed. Wow. It got hit. Bum, shoes and kicks, legs were coming out of nowhere. Mm. You know, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to protect myself. Mm. Arms, legs. And then my boys as well, I could see them bleeding because they're trying to stop oh, it. No. So I was kicking off, kick, bam, bam, getting hit. So I'm just trying to protect myself. And someone stuck a knife in me. Ooh. So I got stabbed in my back. You know, so mm. I, it's sad that story resonated with me. I don't even know who it was out there because when you're getting rushed, you're on the flow, you're getting hit. Mm. People are stamping on your head. Yeah, I got stabbed. I was on the floor. I could see my boys are trying to fight. I could hear police, as you know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ambulance, I'm just there. And then I tried to get up. I didn't even realize that I've been stabbed. So only when I tried to get up, I can't move. Mm. So the knife was stuck in my back. A big oh. knife. Mm. And my boys were just like, I had like an army jacket on. You know, white and white and army mm. colors used to dress. I was like, it was all red. And I was like, why you got a knife in you? I didn't know what it was. And I was like, don't feel it. Ambulance came. The problem of ambulance coming again in a city, kids, is long. You've got to wait. I'm suffering. The gangs, the people, they're running away. Everybody's running away. The girls are screaming. It was like an American movie. Mm. You know, everybody running off police. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, mm. shit. Then ambulance came, took me to the hospital. I went in the ambulance and I slept with a knife. The no problem of the resources. Obviously, it's late in the night. You know, the nice GP specialists, they're all at home. Mm. I'm sorry, I know we cannot operate on you. We're going to have to wait morning for the specialists to come in. Wow. So I slept with it on my back all night with a knife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not good at all. That is just, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. You'd think they would take it out straight away. Like that would be their first priority. Exactly. Wow. So you learn a lot of things that I saw in the hospital at the time. Mm. My case, the police didn't do nothing, even up to today, chasing it up. Mm. And now who stabbed me, the NHS and the resources, plenty of people. Just just another another inner city kid, another statistic. Mm. So that made me realize I'm not right on the agenda here. I could have died. So I could have died at 15, realized, obviously, I had to recover. Family giving me care, TLC, lots of messages. Yeah, so that was the turning point for me. Realize, actually, the stuff that we chase, so we think is important, is meaningless. It's only when you go through downhill, even when your real friends are not even there to back you. Mm. So I started finding uh, guys like Eric Thomas from America, personal, personal development, YouTube is beginning to come out. Wow. Leslie Brown. Yeah, I know Leslie Brown. Yeah. So these guys are beginning to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Finding your purpose, you win. Oh, mate, I went soul searching, finding myself. I'm that kid going to college at 16, Mm -hmm. left. I've recovered. So obviously I was good at football. So I had a trial for Worcester City Football Club at the time. Mm -hmm. I bumped to Stoke City. Obviously I didn't get, I didn't get, given a contract because I was scouted at Bowton, Bowton Albion in the Midlands near Derby. Mm-hmm. I went to Stoke. Nobody would give me a contract. I went to Coventry. Nobody would give me a contract. And then one team, Worcester City, was going to give me a contract. at 16. Nice, nice. They were doing the conference, but it wasn't a pro football club. 
obviously mm-hmm. I've been an African origin school 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 you know it's like it's it's ingrained in you isn't it <laughs> so all they said to me Anil oh you have to make the decision at 16 you're gonna have to do play for Worcester City it's a, it's a conference team isn't it in the Premier League at the time it's still decent you know you can make 400 pounds a week at a time that's a lot of money you know that's big mm-hmm. then I was like and then I have to do B-Tech Sports then I realised I don't want to put my one egg in one basket what if I get injured what if I break my How did you come I, up with that? How did you realize that you can't put your eggs in one basket? How did you come up with well, that concept? Obviously, I was listening to personal development. I'm soul searching, Waterstone. You know, I had my membership, my library. I was doing a lot of reading. It's kind of like that lonely child mm. uh, looking in a mirror, a personal reflection of who am I? Or what life do I want? Just asking a lot of questions, reading, digging. From all people said, I knew you've gone crazy. You've changed. You don't go to the fires anymore. You're not doing the links, bringing the girls. So I become boring. Mm. And Neil is not lively anymore. He's just boring. Mm. He's just talking about books and reading and research. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it was a lonely journey. And then I turned down that contract. I said, I don't want to risk just to play for football. Mm-hmm. Basically, I would have been Monday to Friday. My whole life is dedicated to football, to training for Worcester. I'm doing B-Tech sports. I don't regret it, but sometimes I do look back. What if I did go and play football three to four years? Maybe I could have went to a bigger <laughs> club. You know, maybe. It's kind of like a mystery. But mm-hmm. looking back, I probably realized where I was at the time. Maybe if I did go to Worcester and improve, go to a bigger club, maybe I'd probably end up in jail or just be victimizing mm-hmm. lady. Because I was a very arrogant type of boy, obviously. We young, with too much money too soon at that time, and where my head is at. Mm-hmm. It was probably the best thing that I did not pursue that route. I said, you know what, let me go to college and do my A-level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took French, obviously, because I speak French, right? I said, that's easy. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to see, trying to make my life easy. Where can I get easy grades? Trying to get into Russell Group. Mm-hmm. So I took French, I took geography because I like traveling and I like the world. So this it's, is the all, it's all connected. It's all connected. I like the links. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I picked economics because I've always had a global view and I was into things like politics, mm-hmm. like debate. Just, yeah. And then I picked my A-levels. They didn't go well the first year to get what I wanted. I went mm-hmm. back again. So it took me I like three that. years in college. That's I okay said, because you went back again and you, you knew that you could do it, right? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I want to get into a top uni mm-hmm. and I wanted to get into Aston University. Mm. Um, all business school first time I did not get through because mm-hmm. you needed like A, B's and A, B, C mm-hmm. I flopped you know I got B, C, D I was like no I'm not having it you know so it was like a slap in my face I'm like I'm going back so Tori's in me I, I'm a fighter you know I like to win and I don't stop until I get what I want basically mm. any means necessary I love that then all my offers came through Aston University accepted me whole everybody I wanted love bro I was like whoa oh, so I begin to realize in life is like going back I always used to relay going back to like a nightclub you got all these five pretty ladies looking at you Aston is great love is great mm. but I realize in life sometimes you can't have it all man sometimes you gotta pick mm. so that decision making so when I looked at all these offers coming through it was mm. like five pretty ladies looking at me they mm. all like me so you're gonna mm. have to make choices so but this yeah. My decision-making is developing, which is something we lack as youngsters, as young boys sometimes, depending mm-hmm. on your route. So I begin to realize, actually, it is better to pick one thing. So I looked around. 
I don't want to go to Aston University because I'm already from here. I'm already linking up with my friends. I know what we do at the weekend. We're going to link the girls. We're going, it's that type of behavior. We're going for shop. Mm-hmm. I don't want to stay in a circle. So I picked Hull. Mm-hmm. Hull was the farthest one. And why was I attracted to Hull? It's the best for logistics. They've got a port. I'm already dreaming about its logistics. Mm-hmm. I want to go mm-hmm. global. Mm-hmm. I was like, the houses are cheap in Hull. Mm-hmm. An established business. I was like, whoa, that's nearly. I love your thinking. That you, you're thinking like business already without even yeah. like the business, yeah. right? Because I've always been in tough and early. I was like, you know what? Wow. Yeah. I'm going far. Long, wow. no mm-hmm. friends, no girl, mm-hmm. no one. I love that. So I'm going by you start new beginning. Yes. I've mm. got no friends, nobody. I don't know no one. This is for me to say, you know what? I've left college. I got stabbed. The football things have not worked out. Let me go and find my pursuit. I went to a business school. I've already seen myself as a CEO, basically. Obviously. I know. I see that already. That's really good. That's fantastic. You know, I was inspired. like some Magic Johnson. He was a famous mm-hmm. basketball. I was watching his YouTube mm-hmm. video. The ladies have finished him. So I realized if you want to be successful as a young black man, you need to Stay stop. Away from ladies. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. You might you might be good looking, you might be this, mm. but sometimes it's okay, to, it's okay to say no sometimes. You know, I'm not going to mm. pursue this. Mm. But I, I was analyzing the most successful man. Wow, always got them in good shit. His problems with a woman. You know, mm. he's done. So we like, you know what? Let with the me... wrong woman, with the wrong women. I'll say if the wrong women, yes. <laughs> yes. But sometimes the problem is temptation and it's developing mm. that discipline. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can have really three, four, five ladies. You gotta mm-hmm. pick one, you know. And they're all decent. It's the way mm-hmm. I looked at the university. I says, "Let me go to home. It's not glamorous, but it's the mm-hmm. best one for my course. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm all about being. I'm like a little child. I just want to be at the best of my craft. Mm-hmm. I said, "This university is a good business school. It's the best for supply chain logistics. It's got port. I'm into import trade. E-commerce was coming up." I'd studied geography. I wanted to become a town planner at the time mm. or quantity mm. survey. Again, is that a young age? So I only had three three professions I wanted to become. Mm-hmm. You know, become a chartered accountant, which I did AAT evening classes because I like my numbers, calculations, mm-hmm. or become a quantity surveyor or planning coordinator or logistics. So I benchmarked all the careers. I, I researched everything about accountants. I studied the course. I, re- I did work experience for Capital Simmons. It's like the likes of Savo. I realized I don't want to be a town planner in this country. I'm limiting myself. I'm global. Mm. I speak different language. I've got families all over the world. So mm. for me, I need something global. E-commerce was coming up, you know, at that time. Mm. Amazon, you know, I go on Amazon, the best thing ever. Oh my God, the books on Amazon. <laughs> Oh, I loved Amazon for the books as well. I have to admit, Amazon caught me because I love books. And I was just yeah. like, I need to just buy more and more. But go and- on. So I got hooked on Amazon, this mm. e-commerce. And the logistics or is telling people, what is logistics? So it's people process system. It's the behind, it's the brain behind e-commerce. Mm. So I was like, where am I? The way I've grown up, East African, they don't like us to express ourselves, really. We, we're more thinkers and writing and quiet. But we're not, East Africa, we're not, we're not loud like that, you know? So I was like, this logistics stuff, if I focus on it and get it right, yeah? That's your baby. Mm. Yeah. Instead of thinking, okay, some of my friends want to go into investment banking. I've already tried accounting. I realized management account was more me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to be an auditor. I realized actually within accounting, what I realized my strengths, which was management accounting and business recovery. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to work for PwC. It's a big accounting firm like Deloitte. But they've mm-hmm. turned me down. I said, I want to work in business recovery. My job was to find out why companies mm-hmm. gone under. For me, it's all about a failure. Is that detective work where I like, this is the psychology why business is gone. People talk about starting business, but mm. no one really talks about why business has failed. Mm. So we always thinking out of the box. I was like, I research PwC. I says, I don't want to work in audit. I don't want to work in tax consulting. I want to work in business recovery. I didn't get accepted because I'm competing with kids from Oxford, Cambridge. I just want to, for me, it's all I want to be the best. They didn't mm. give me that. I looked at the town planning routes. I worked with local authorities. I was like, this town planning limits me. Just planning policies in the UK. I realized, you know what? Logistics is me. Mm. I'm global. Speak mm. different language. Import, export, variety. Mm. And I love my quote. People would see me on the campus. Like, people didn't even know what logistics was because at that time, 2007, when I was looking into it, 10, 11, e-commerce had been developed. Some people were even scared of them. So they would see me on campus. I would miss the logistics. They give me like their nickname, you know, Mr. Logistics. So I was like, yeah, always attended auctions. So, you know, I was, all, I was always trying to buy and sell, you know, always trying to make money, you know, little mm-hmm. small stuff. But I learned. So it was by doing all these little small, small things. And I always took the things I knew and I liked. So I would try and sell footwear because mm-hmm. I work for footwear. Like I like my shoes. I like fashion. We speak French. My family originally French colonialism. So it's all about the looks. So I was always into shoes. Mm-hmm. fragrances, buying their mobile phones, working a car phone well. So I've done these little retail jobs. And the jobs I had in retail, they were the best jobs. I realized I like mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. I like retail and hospitality. So I worked for the likes of Home Bargain, the discount stores. I worked for Travel Lodge, the budget hotels. I worked mm-hmm. for KC. Wow. Well. But all these little jobs, they were good for me because they taught me a lot. Because mm-hmm. whenever I worked, I worked to learn. What makes home bargain successful is that mm. budget element. Mm. You know, the most, it's not John Lewis, it's not Wade Ross, it's not fancy, mm. but damn, did the tills ring? I was like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cha-ching. It's <laughs> like, whoa. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers. You know, I'm, I'm stacking shelves, mm. you know. I'm interested in the logistics. I'm speaking to the lorry drivers where you all come. Mm. And the guy who started is from Liverpool, you know, Scousers, so they had a policy. You can sell them anything if it's a good price. They'll buy with us. Like, this is a great company. I love home bargain. Mm. That was my first job. I learned a lot about retail, what moves, the first category. So I always like to read a report. The stuff that all member staff is interested in. Like, this Neil is always interested in the reports. What are the mm. fast-moving category? What are the aisle? So again, mm. I'm just watching where everybody's spending the money on. Mm. I, I love home bargains. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a home bargain girl. I just love they're, going in there and just looking. They're, they're very good at what they do. Mm. They're very good. Then, mm. then I went to KFC. I learned a lot mm. at KFC. You know, I was cleaning toilets. I was serving all the tools. I was like, damn, good chips and she can make this much money? 30K for them. Mm. I got access to the tail with the numbers, learning. I was like, whoa. I would not mind having a piece of this. So always aspiring. The co-founder KFC found his dream at 70. So I'm always dreaming. I, was like, I love that. that. Sorry, because I had you on the podcast and you said that he, he co-founded at the age of 70. And I'm thinking people think they're too old to do anything yes. in life. And they, they, they limit themselves and say, oh my God, I'm, I'm this age. I can't do this anymore. I'm, I can't earn any more money. I can't. Do, but 
that guy co-founded KFC at the age of 70. That's that that tells you that everything is possible, right? Exactly. So I loved KFC. So again, there's all these little jobs. And then I went to travel a lot. Oh man, the Boji Hotel. I loved it. Hospitality on Broad Street. That's the same of where all the parties are. Mm. I was on I was uh, people always gave me the retail assistant because I always had that little face, the customer service, smiling, mm. bubbling. Mm. And I enjoyed it. That was me. I like chatting. I was, but it was all about learning. I was mm. like, oh, what do you come here for? People come from Bristol, I've come to party. I was like, whoa. At that time, I travel a lot. Rooms were like 30 pounds, budget mm. 25. I was mm. like, what makes these guys successful? They've got a pricing right. So again, yeah. it's all about learning. Everybody can pay. Everybody can afford it. That's Anybody it. Everybody can know? afford it. And you know, they're, decent, they're decent rooms, so everyone can afford decent rooms. Yes, and everybody's seen Travelodge now, but they didn't have money at the time. The Travelodge mm. now is nice. At that time, mm. 2011, almost mm. 10 years ago, 12 years ago, they didn't have that much money. Same as the Lidl's and the Aldi. Now they've okay. got this. So the rooms are nice. Now, obviously, you're from London. The Travelodge mm. rooms, okay. you know, they wasn't always <laughs> see all his success after, but they don't realize it was a lot. At the time, the mm. rooms weren't that glamorous. You know, sometimes okay. people complain of like their philosophy model, like it's, it's, they don't waste money on mm. unnecessary stuff. I was like, this is brilliant. They don't mm. waste resources. The rooms are always booked out. And yeah, and then at that time, 2011, I left. Travelodge was my last retail job to move to home. I moved to home 2012. Okay. Then I did my course, logistics. I've managed to figure it out. I don't want to be a town planner. I don't want to be a quantity software. But I've always been into property, geography. So it will come to me. And now, long story short, everything I aspire I ever wanted in terms of management account, I'm the CEO of a management account. I, I love that. that. I love I'm, that. I'm involved in commercial property. I do all mm. the developing and all the buildings, mm. everything I ever wanted. Procurement, I'm the buyer. So mm. it turns me on, CapEx, equipment, IT. This mm-hmm. is what I study. So I've got combinations of everything in my career, business development, developing ideas. So I get to do everything I ever wanted and wish for. And on top of that, create mm-hmm. jobs and empower people. I love that. What I like about you as well, I think when I was listening to one of the interviews you had, one of the things that, you start, that stood out was when you said about customer service, you said you look after your people you look after the customers as well as your staff. And that that resonated with me because I thought, hold on a minute, you know it's all about hospitality. It's about giving service to everyone around you so you can get service back. Go Talk a bit, a bit more about that because that, to me, that was very deep. Yeah, for me, I'm from the Midlands. Like, I treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. I tell this my dry clay, I get the Gucci's, I spend a grand. I say we get wedding dresses at two and a half grand. All that stuff mm-hmm. doesn't phase me. Football clubs, I don't care who you are, footballers. I'm I'm consistent all day long. Mm-hmm. I don't I'm not interested in what you do. I don't care mm-hmm. how much money you make. Mm-hmm. I'm here to serve you. You know? And I, the way I serve across from a homeless person, mm-hmm. from a broke person on job center, because mm-hmm. I've been unemployed at the time, mm-hmm. to the highs, to the big corporate. So I don't put people on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. I treat them all the same. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's all about service. Even my staff say it's all about review. It's all about when I worked for Fort Locker, the Americans, that was mm-hmm. the best job I ever had. It was all about service. And I was number one at selling. <laughs> I love it. And the reason why I sold more than everybody else mm-hmm. was I'll listen to customers. I'll listen mm-hmm. to the names. I'll take an interest in why they're here. Why. So it was never an arm length transaction. What you want, what size? 
which is mm. something that we get in the UK, especially with our black community. Go to a restaurant mm. shop, people are what do you want? This. It's never that service. Mm-hmm. I didn't want my brand to be like that. You know, Rafiki, I'm the reviews. I'm all about every customer, greet them. Hello, how are you? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to cherish, even if they're spending five pounds, even mm-hmm. if they're spending 50. So it's mm-hmm. we need to be the same across the way. And that's how I win business. And it's all about being friendly. And people mm-hmm. say, oh, wow, it's the service is something is lacking. And when COVID hit, I realized Rafiki, I need to come out and build a household brand name. You know, I need to come and build and start knocking on doors on private equities. You know, we want to do 50 shops in the UK. We want to go nationwide, then we're going to go global. So that's where we're going. But we have to start small. The way I've been brought up, I started small. Vending Mm -hmm. was small stuff. Cabbing, everything I've done is small. You know, sometimes people laugh at me because I don't watch what other people do. But that was my Mm -hmm. journey. You know, Mm -hmm. it's my story. It resonated with me. Whatever I'm doing, I could be cleaning someone's house. I could be a maid. Whatever I do, I embrace it. And for Mm -hmm. me, whatever I mean, something, laundry Mm -hmm. is not glamorous and ironing, but Mm -hmm. I make sure we make it glamorous, you know? Mm -hmm. Where there's other people say, why do you do this? Don't you want to be working in investment bank? I say, no, that's not me. Don't you want to be in a big crowd? Yeah, I could have moved to London. I had lots of opportunities. I could have moved Mm -hmm. to London. But Mm -hmm. London didn't resonate with me. So if I want to come to London, I want to come, I want to live in Chelsea. London is not built for me right now where I am. But when I'm ready, I would want to be in Chelsea because people... Well, you're more than welcome to, to come down to London. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> I was there. I was just there this weekend at London okay. Excel. I was at okay. Excel. I come London a lot. Okay. But I love London. Mm. Every time I come London, London inspires me. It's the mm. best. It's a different country within the UK. Mm-hmm. But when you're trying to come up, for me, I feel like London is not for people like me who are trying to come up or trying to build. Oh, don't say that. That's not true. <laughs> London is for everyone, you know that, don't you, right? The reason I say that is because it's just hard. You try and take on shops, leases in London, establish, I don't know, man. And I've got a lot of friends I met at uni. Mm-hmm. It's everybody's trying to size up everybody. I don't know, man. It's just a different vibes. I think London... Don't give London a bad name because London is good. It's, it is good and it needs your vibe. It would love people like you to come around and just change it. It needs your vibe. So trust me. I mean, I, I grew up in London. So, and I, I started off like you working in small shops. Like, I wouldn't say small shops, but I worked in Boots, the chemist. But mine was quite small in a small area in this London. And then I went on to Topshop, you know, the Oxford flagship. Mm. And everything that you said resonated with me because I started off small. And to be quite honest, I, small, I started off really, really small. I actually was delivering cable books when I was young. I was about 14 and I started delivering cable books. So I can relate to everything you're saying, even though you're, you're in the Midlands and I'm in London. We, we've got the similar stories. And I think you can make it in London just as much, even more so. And people would love to, to do business with you in London. I'm sure they would. Well, Definitely. I do. I'm building. I'm building. Mm. So for me, logistically, is I want to go global. But I like to start in the Midlands. I like to start wherever I am first. Mm-hmm. And then London, for the investment that I need, we find the right private equity because when I franchise my brand mm-hmm. and how we do it, and God is going to make it possible. And of course, of course. I'm going to ask you a few questions. These are listed down. What strategies have you used to maximize your business potentials? Well, I've done a lot of business, so you learn from every single one of them. For example, I was tired of taxi. Mm-hmm. For example, when I started a taxi business, I was just carrying four four people. You know, it's a cab, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I realized it's a numbers game. If I do the minibus, 16 seaters or 30, I'm doubling my money. So that's my hotel. I travel on. You understand? Mm-hmm. 
Mm. So, so I moved on to the minibus. Oh, man, okay. the wedding bookings. Mm-hmm. I can get a booking 500 quid, you know? Mm-hmm. Bam, chim just mm-hmm. like that. Got you. Mm-hmm. But the money's good because it's that service element and I like people to have fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I moved on to the minibus services and the airports because it's niche. So I realized, actually, that is my hotel. I worked mm-hmm. in Travelodge. You know, why have one by to let? It's a bit like people in the properties are HMO. It's a five, six better. Here we're talking 12 rooms or 30. Mm-hmm. And then I'm really, I like sports. I want to move on to the 70 seaters. And then I can take mm-hmm. people to the football game. So that is one strategy of maximizing my business. You mm-hmm. get leveraging. First, You're leveraging your business that way. Yeah, well. first is the little mm-hmm. cab. Mm-hmm. The money that I had to start with. So mm-hmm. Before I can buy a coach, I need to first buy a cab. A car, you know, a decent car mm-hmm. is gonna cost you about seven to eight grand. You look mm-hmm. at all kind of decent one, you know, that can do the job. Mm-hmm. A good minibus, you're looking 22 to 25k, but it's like mm-hmm. you're a small baby step. So that was one strategy I used to maximize my mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Second, we talk about vending. I started mm-hmm. off vending on the small machines. So I realized actually with more capital, why do a small machine when I can do a bigger machine? Mm. So I'm, I'm tripling my money and then I can take card payment. Again, it requires different thinking, logistics to move them, to put them in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. But it's more capital. That was a second way of, mm. of leveraging my business strategy. Mm. And what I learned from vending, why have all these machines around, driving mm. around so many places? Why don't I get into commercial buildings instead and have all my machines in one place? Mm-hmm. So I'm saving time and resources. So that is another way I leverage my business. And now mm-hmm. I'm doing more commercial laundry now. Now I'm thinking, actually, why serve all these people come? Now I want to target the hotels I want to work for. So for me, everything everything has levels. Mm. It's like if you're doing property stuff to the buy-to-lets and then you go to the HMOs, and then from the HMO, you might do commercial conversions. So mm. there's... And then from there, you might think, you know what, I'm getting comfortable and I want to do hotel. You know, I want to do Rafiki hotel, you know. Mm-hmm. But first mm-hmm. one, it needs to be a 15-bedroom. So mm-hmm. the thinking and the capital grows with you. Like life is stages, like agriculture. And that's why I'm into my manufacturing. It's all stages. For me, it's all about stage one. Stage, there's levels. It sounds I, to me, like in my head, it's, what's coming up is start small and then build your yes. way. Yes. Little by little. That's why yeah. it's coming up to my head. Like you start really tiny, then from there you grow. Yes. You're on the same road, but you're growing in time. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's sort of... Growing your money at the same time. Yes. <laughs> it's like I go to the gym. I mainly go to swim and sauna. Mm-hmm. I'm not a henchess. I cannot lift 120 kg. I'm a 60 mm-hmm. kg guy, 70, and I'll admit it because of my stabbing. Mm-hmm. But in the olden days, I could do more. But I don't envy people doing 120, 140. But the problem with young kids nowadays, they haven't even done a thousand pound mm. deal. He's already mm. looking at 500k deal. You need to build credibility and experience. You've not done nothing. Mm. You're coming when I ask for a million pound. People just like, this guy is dreaming. You mm. understand? Mm. So that's how I look at things. It's like I try and build. I don't want to take on too much so I can show. Mm. You want to be able to, to handle uh, your business yes, well. I try, I try to stay in my shoe lane and not compete. Mm. I like, will get there. Sometimes slow. You actually, it might seem slow, but you're actually going to arrive on someone who's trying to run before they can walk. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. I love that. But that's um, my strategy. 
So in terms of challenges, what challenges have you come across? Oh, man, don't get me started. Number one, <laughs> you want me to start? Go on, just, just give it to us. Give it to us. We want to hear it. <laughs> number one, let's talk about a bank. Mm. Mm. Raising money is very difficult mm. in this country. Mm. When you're an ethnic minority, you got no credibility, no proven concept. When you're trying to talk to people, to say bring 100K, 200K, mm-hmm. very hard very hard raising money it's very challenging because again it's people that don't believe it's like sometimes like well, this is your selling dreams so that's kind of motivated me a bit more hence why i like to keep on my numbers so i like numbers I, it's like i like to invest but also mm. save and that's taught me a lesson i like to back myself mm. when you back yourself it's a bit slower sometimes but you can sleep all at night. Sometimes the mm. bank will say, we're going to stop that overdraft tomorrow. So you never want to put yourself in leverage situation where people can, you know, or if you have an investor, he might say, you know what, he needs his money back. Mm. Yes, it's great having people using other people's money. It's good. But for me, if someone is going to come in with me, so you need a five-year time to wait. Because mm. I don't work in a hurry because I, I don't function well. You know, we I want to build a foundation where some people, they don't have that. And bank, they're not that great in this country, which mm-hmm. has motivated me. Who knows one day we could have Rafiki Bank. <laughs> Why not? That, Why not? That bank for me is mm. to lend to the small, ordinary people. I need mm. banks that can resonate with people. I'm not mm. talking about a million. I'm talking someone needs a grand, mm-hmm. three grand, five, ten K. For me, I'm quite like a realist. You can start something with a thousand pounds mm-hmm. and five hundred pounds because I've done it. You can put me anywhere, mm-hmm. that entrepreneurial. You can take everything I have now. You can put me on the planet. Give me, if I find 500 pounds or a thousand pounds, I can start again. I'll find, a I'll find a product. I don't I need, it. for me, entrepreneurship is doing mm. a lot with very little. Mm. If you throw money at me, mm. a million, it doesn't take a genius to make a million. If you lose it, it's like, bloody hell, you can hand it out. One <laughs> mil. Of course you're going to go crazy, you know? Mm. On steroids, mm. you know? But mm. if you can learn how to earn it and earn it from anything, it's, it is possible. So that's the way I view things. And most banks, you try and borrow money, the interest, it could even be a grand, like an overdraft from finance. They're going to charge you a fortune. Mm. With interest, you know? yeah, definitely, definitely. I've been there. But mm. these guys, once they start seeing your account, you're bringing money in, they want to talk to you. So of now course. I'm like, Of I'm course, like, yeah. I said, like, I'm not interested in no investment in anything you're selling me because you did not relate with me at mm. the time whenever I needed things. Why now? Mm. I'm like, no, your bank are not for the normal, ordinary people. So we need more banks that are for normal, ordinary people that you can go in, talk about your problems and then the credit scores. If you're set, it's like the system has already written you off. You but know? do you think the system is all about trust? Like they want to see that this building trust. I and mean, from what I've, my my own point of view with banks is they want to trust you. They want to see that they can trust you in the long run because obviously they're taking on a risk when they borrow you money. So when you think that it's about trust or do you think that the way they start off uh, trying to trust you is harder for ethnic minorities? Or? Of course, it is harder for ethnic minorities. But with COVID, with the Black movement now, Black mm-hmm. people are getting better together in the UK now. There's more community out there people can access to do things. But, and that is the way it should be done. If for me as an entrepreneur, it's, yeah, it's all about risk. 
but you do your own due diligence. If you come to me, say, Sandra, you need a thousand pounds. But for me, I don't look at the big numbers. So for me, everyone I work with, I begin on the small, simple stuff. Mm. If, first, that's again that trust, isn't it? If Sandra, mm. you prove you've delivered a grant, then next time we're going to talk potentially maybe four or five. So mm. I'm, it's like dating, isn't it? We're dating day mm. one. Mm. But people, don't, they don't want to go in stages nowadays. But if you come mm. at 10, 20K, I don't really know you. I don't know nothing about you. Mm. I've got nothing to go back. But you build that trust. Banks, they don't have business advisors anymore because it's basically faceless banks. Go online. My service is going online. There you <laughs> go, go online. <laughs> yeah, you speak to an idiot who doesn't understand your business plan. A business mm. plan is very, it's like a marriage. It's a very sensitive document. You mm. can't just talk to that to any idiot. Have you got time? Are you going to make the appointment to see, to see what I've got to say and what I'm mm. intending on doing? Mm. They haven't got time for that. So mm. these banks are not for the normal, ordinary people. No, they're not. They're not. No. So we, mm. I think on a high street, there's an opportunity for banks for normal, ordinary people. Mm. We're not talking big funds. And mm. this is why, what I love about business, why I'm so obsessed with enterprise. Enterprise allows you to make change. It's mm. a lot easier for me than even politics. So when, when you're proving to be successful and you've done things, people are ready to listen. Mm. You mm-hmm. know? So people are ready to listen. Okay, he's been trusted at X, Y, and Z to lead these people. So who's to say we can't trust him on this project? Mm. So mm. It's, it's, it's all about building credibility. And sometimes a lot of things that they are seen because people are not doing them because it's, it's funding. And that's why I like trading business is cash flow to try back myself. You know, because mm. sometimes not everybody sees your vision. You know, sometimes even... I know it's hard for me to say your most beloved ones, your family and friends. Of you know? course. Yeah. I haven't experienced that. I know what you mean. Definitely. I've had, it mas- I've had it myself. I say, you're an idiot. Wow. You know, who, do you, who do you think you are? I was mm. like, you're mad. You know, people mm. say that to me when I came up with a lot of ideas. You know? People used would to you, laugh at me. When I, mm, hmm? Would you say that's your second challenge? Because you're saying the banks is your, one of the biggest challenges, giving you the funding. And the second one, you think that people not believing in you will be one of your second challenges? Yes. And family and friends, even partners, don't get it twisted. Even girlfriends, mm. the people you sleep with every day or whatever. Mm. Sometimes they, they, I call them the dream bullies. Ooh, duh, that's so dream. cold, man. <laughs> yeah, I, mm. I call them dream bullies. People, they kill With, with people. intention or without intention? Because you could be a bully with indirectly bullying people yeah, without knowing. Some, yeah, sometimes they don't know. Sometimes it's, it could be a babe. She don't want you to lose your money. You know, she's cautious. You know, out lady, of fear. It's, it's out of fear sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it is out of fear, you know. Mm. But sometimes you, you got to, it's kind of, you got to know what, what dog you're putting your money on. So, so you know, mm. what a serious guy. Is he going to deliver? Mm. It's again, for me, I'm quite spiritual. I made decision on intuition. Yeah, you can have all these research, man. If someone can still lay you down, man. You can never figure it all out. People go, yeah, I've done my research and this. It's intuition. Mm. For me, mm. most of my decisions mm. is I'll look, I'll look, and then I'll go by intuition. Sometimes mm-hmm. you could spend, you, I call it analysis palais. A lot of people get hung up on research. and No, no, I don't. I connected with you through spiritual. Mm. You know? I found mm. you. You know, mm, we connected. <laughs> yeah. So mm. you resonated with me. So this is for mm. me what I call intuition. And sometimes mm. some people that don't have that. Mm. I don't need to ask who Sandra. I don't need to do research. Mm. I haven't got the time. I go mm. by intuition. intuition. So mm. it's the same as in business. So people, because you go all these gurus on YouTube talking a lot of nonsense, people have lost mm. intuition. Just common sense. 
And if someone knows you, for me, it's just common sense. I mean, it's not even. But do you think that then. sometimes you could use your intuition and just not just not get it right? Like failure could be one of the issues as well. But it's it... inevitable. You know, mm. you know, I, I haven't succeeded at everything. I've had some failures in my life, but you mm. learn from. Failure mm. for me is not something not to be feared for. For me, failure is something to learn from. And sometimes I like failing. And this is what mm. I told you, linking to that business recovery. Mm. I'm trying to prepare as much. It's like my homework, isn't it? I want to mm. make sure I pass my exam. But mm. sometimes I have failed, but I'll prepare myself. I'll say, okay, this is where I went wrong. Business is the same. Mm. I've done some business, some I've invested in, haven't worked. I'm quickly to realize this is not going to work and you mm. need to just flop quick. I like to flop quick. Flop quick. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I'm brush yourself <laughs> quick. You know, cut Turn it around there. quickly. Cut your losses there. Thank Run you. Run quickly. <laughs> Don't look back. Yes. And I've learned my lesson, you know? So there's mm. no way you can succeed without failure. I've yet mm. to meet anyone who's succeeded without failure. Even me. Some, sorry to, to cut you, but I think some people, when they bully people indirectly or directly I think they because they don't want you to fail or they don't want to fail themselves because don't forget when you're investing money or even if you're investing yourself spiritually or faithfully one thing you don't want to do is meet that be on the the wrong receiving end you want it to be winning winning all the way through and some people don't have that appetite for risk so they even had even if they do fail they don't know how to recover would you say that it's you've learned how to recover, you've learned how to fail and recover. And that makes yes. you better than some better off than some people that don't know how to recover. But that's why Sandra say this is not for the faint-hearted. Mm. Some people I say to them, you're better off getting a decent job, get paid four or five grand because mm. that's who you are. Mm. You don't try and be a nail or other entrepreneurs because that's not who you are. Again, mm. it comes down to knowing who you are. It comes mm. down to knowing your identity. It comes down to knowing your risk appetite. Mm. It's, it's like, for example, if you've got children, you don't learn to walk without falling over. But the problem mm. nowadays, everybody just wants everything smooth. You're not going to make it. Everyone will be a multimillionaire now. If we could, That's why people go to the banks and maybe even get one little percent on their money or 0.5, something ridiculous. It's not going to get you anywhere. But the banks like that. Yes, a lot of people bring in their saving to me every month. It's a, it's a brilliant bank if you look into banks how they work it's quite exciting actually how you make your money so the risks are very little hmm. sometimes i say sandra everybody brings in they bring in a thousand pound every month and that's fixed for five years but it's a business is not for the faint-hearted if i'm going to invest people's money for example i need to be able to say if anything were to go wrong i need to be able to pay them back because hmm. if you don't pay them back the ceos are pussy hmm. and that credibility hmm. it means more than the money I don't want to lose Sandra's a thousand pound. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I invested in some stuff. I lost it. But I want to make sure Sandra gets her money back. Regardless, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to use it was the economy. It was COVID. And then I call you. You're not going to excuse it. <laughs> I don't like it. Sandra doesn't want to hear any excuses. <laughs> yeah, I call you. I call a pussy. It was mm-hmm. like, you need, you need some substance behind you to say mm-hmm. and be able to look at people in the face. Sandra didn't go well. I'll make sure that I'll deliver back. And business mm. doesn't always go well. I've had it when it hasn't gone well, but I'll look people in the eye and say, you know what? Mm-hmm. It hasn't worked. I'll give you your money back or mm-hmm. we go separate ways. It's like marriage. Mm. Yeah, it's like a marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay, it doesn't always work. It's mm-hmm. like friendship. Sometimes who you meet at college, uni doesn't always work. 
Mm. It's a sphere of business as well. But not every idea you come is going to make you a multi-million. Some people are lucky, mm. but not everybody. Mm. I've done a lot of things. Some of them haven't worked, but I learned from them, you know? Mm. And if you're not ready to learn or accept failure, don't get involved in business. That's my advice. <laughs> just stay away. I, do you know what? I give people, like, I think people need to just learn how to deal with risks and be yes. how to, to manage it. I think everybody, like, I agree with you to a certain degree, but I think everyone, I think when you first fail something, you're in shock, right? The second time you fail, you're like, oh, okay, this is what I can do next. And the third time you fail, you're like, oh, I've learned from that lesson and that lesson. This is what I shouldn't do at all. This is how I'm going to manage it next time. So I think sometimes you have to learn to manage risk. And I think there's always room for learning. Don't you think? Or Yeah, I do. But some people are not built up for that. You're from London. Mm. Whenever I come Canary, well, in the city, mm. I would love to work there. Them guys are making a lot of money because they're doing <laughs> that work for you, Sandra. What you call the investment bankers, the wealth mm. management, the asset management. I would mm. love to see on that coin. It's fun. Mm. You know, no risk. You get paid well to play with people's money. That's nice for people who are too scared. They give it to the banks. So we'll do mm. this for you. We'll, we'll give mm. it to a wealth manager to take care of our wealth. Mm. And they will do that for you. And they'll give you a little small cut. So we, okay. we did it. Uh, I don't want you to rush off. I want to ask you a couple of questions. No, what are the most fine. important skills for success, for people being successful? What do you think are the most important skills for someone to have in order to fulfill their full potential or to build a business, to personally and obviously business-wise? For me, number one is passion. Mm-hmm. Determination. Mm-hmm. And you got to love what you do, man. Because if you don't have the love, you're not going to stick at it. Business is like a marriage. If you don't love the partner that you will, Mm-hmm. You're not going to do 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it, you need to love that thing so much that mm-hmm. you're willing to give you all. And if you're a half-hearted person, you're going to mm-hmm. struggle in business because there is no half-hearted. There is hard days. How are you going to cover the staff wages? How are you going to cover the rent? Mm-hmm. That's the journey, the joy of that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you need to be impatient as well, actually, which is something that people forget now. We we live in a media gratification now with the e-commerce or the something Amazon next day. Yeah. But life does not work like that. Mm. Life is slow, steady. Everybody mm. wants to move 100 miles per hour, you know? Mm. This is why mental health is increasing because people are comparing themselves to their peers on social media. Mm-hmm. Don't believe everything you see on social media. It's not real. Mm. Okay. So, mm. so go, go within your lane. I don't mm-hmm. laugh somebody. If you're earning a grand a month, it's fine too, bro. It doesn't matter. You can mm-hmm. get to where you want to be. So again, it's, you need to spend more time as well. Discovering yourself is another one. Mm-hmm. What moves you? Are you into crypto? Are you mm-hmm. digital? Do you mm-hmm. like traditional? But once you know yourself, I think life just becomes easier. Mm-hmm. So what would you say motivates you to stay in your lane of focus in terms of when you're pursuing your businesses? What is it that motivates you to... What keeps you going? What's, well, what your, keeps me What's going? your kryptonite? <laughs> what keeps me going? I'm all about results. You know, for me, mm-hmm. rent is due every day. If mm-hmm. I don't deliver, I get fired from my mm-hmm. staff, from my wife, my kids. Mm-hmm. So I don't play games. I'm all about numbers. Numbers that don't lie. I ain't mm-hmm. interested in opinion of both. I go by the numbers. What are the numbers mm-hmm. telling me? Am mm-hmm. I getting better at this? Am I good at this? Mm-hmm. Sometimes some people, they delude themselves. And sometimes don't fall in love with something. Just look at the numbers, man. If the numbers always evaluate every quarter, I work in seasons, mm. you know, look at season one, season two. There's only four seasons in a year. Mm. And so 
easiest thing, actually. And it's just like, you know what, the numbers are telling me it's not going to work. Just cut your losses. It's okay. It's okay. okay. I'm the top. I'll give you TLC. And I'll give you a hug, give you a kiss. I'm mm. glad you failed. What mm. did you learn from it? Mm. What did you learn from that? So, so that you can move forward. You can move exactly. forward. I love that. That's really good. because Just focus on the numbers. Mm. Now, the reason why mm. I like about numbers is not everybody's cup of tea. Mm. But I like sports. Yeah. Mm. I relate everything to sports. Who is the top of the league right now? Well, I'm not a sports person, so I don't really know. Um, Can I get I'm an Arsenal fan. Yes, it is. It's Arsenal on top of the league, actually. Yeah, definitely. There you go. So the reason why I like numbers, sometimes Mm. I'm not even interested in opinion. Numbers, they don't lie, do they? But the problem is everybody likes opinion. So business is all about the numbers. How much, for me, I'm the type who ask you, how much money have you made per day on this venture? Mm. Mm. Where sometimes... I talk about the numbers, not because they mean everything to me. It's like I like mm. to draw a dashboard. It's basically, it's the numbers is the engine. It's like your heart. Mm. If your heart and I your blood that. circulates, and if you're into mm. science, if that heart is mm. not getting pumped, you're going to die, basically. Mm. And sometimes people, they don't want to expose because it's, it's a very mm. sentimental thing when you ask people numbers. You know? That's why in England, no one talks about how much money they earn. And it's kind of like, ooh. We don't talk about money like that, the family dinner. But in America, we embrace that. If you make one million, congrats. If you make 50, congrats. I don't care, you know. Congr- but in these countries, we get very sensitive when we talk about numbers, you know. And that's what I learned from accounts. That's what I- num- numbers, they don't lie to you. If numbers are not working for me, I'm the type. I don't sleep. I keep trying to improve things. Again, mm-hmm. it's all about improving them numbers. And if they don't improve, I say, you know what, it's not going to work. I need to mm-hmm. just drop it because mm. you're in the wrong business. <laughs> mm. You have to figure out something. What's, what's missing? What's not missing? Yes. Yeah. What haven't you got put together? So can you, t- can you tell us your greatest rewards? What's been your greatest achievement so far? Oh, man. That would be so hard. Where do I even begin? <laughs> There's been a lot of great stuff that's happened in my life and some that's not. What's been my greatest reward? Mm. Probably starting Rafiki and having so many stars. Because mm. that made me grow as well. Having staff is like having babies. The payroll, <laughs> insurance contribution, again, it just makes you mad up. It's a whole different ball game. Once that payroll drops, mm. basically that person's life is in your hands. It's in your hands. I love so, it. Do you know, I like your realization because I think some companies don't realize that you're actually holding on someone's life. You're, yeah. you're looking after someone. I know it sounds, the way you said it, it's like the, they're your baby. Their staff is your babies. They're and paying their mortgage. Mm. They're paying their mortgage, their rent, their mm. kids. So for me, Sandra White, I'm visible. I can't hide. I ain't one of these guys, Anilas, falling off. You can meet me anywhere. You can meet mm. me in my office because mm. I ain't one of these digital guys who's got to hide. Mm. I, I cannot hide. I'm in the public domain. Mm. The reviews, the staff. So there's nowhere to hide. And that's, again, mm. it comes down to numbers and results. And if you're not ready for this game, don't get involved. Mm. Because you're going to be accountable yeah. because the staff are going to come. I and mean, where's my fucking pay? Where's my fucking weight this month? Where is my weight? I don't mm-hmm. care if the business has not performed. <laughs> I can't come, sir, you know, or oh, we like you and you, you know. We, uh? And one thing you're going to learn in business, people don't care about you, what you're going through, man. It's all about mm-hmm. the results, man. I'm all about, it's all about results. Yes, Anil, I might like you, but damn, I need to pay my wage, my rent, man. Where's my fucking wage this month? <laughs> I'm sure they don't say that. <laughs> but that's the reality why I'm on this podcast is to let people know this is not no half-hearted because a lot of people like to experiment now. I'll try within dating. Mm. 
I'm on Tinder, I'm on Instagram. This is real mm. life. It's mm, real. Mm. You can't just hide and cut, block somebody. No, it doesn't work like that, darling. Mm. <laughs> people do, no. but the thing is, people do. One of the reasons why I think you you liked or about my interview when, when you heard me was because I was talking about how people do get hurt. Sometimes companies do have to do cuts and they do have to get rid of people, get rid of staff. And it's how you do it, isn't it? It's how you communicate with that person and say, look, this is not working out very well. The money's not coming in. So it's time for you to leave. But you do it in the nicest way, right? Yeah, of course. I've done it as well. I've got rid of staff, man. Hmm. I'm very nice and sweet, but I'm not afraid to make decisions. Oh, mate, I can become a lion if I need to. But hmm. you have to be in business. You have, you're trying to be the good cop and the bad cop. Because hmm. if you're too nice as well with staff, whether it's the woman staff, they, they'll take your kindness for a weakness. Why are you not cleaning? Why is this not done? Because mm. again, ultimately, links back to that performance results. And it's mm. we, it's what, what I love, legal contract in procurement. It's a legally binding documentation. I'll do X, Y, and Z. You mm. pay me on time. Mm. I'll do this. So it's I have to fulfill that legal obligation that I've committed mm. myself to. Otherwise, I'm liable. And if mm. it's not working, yes, I'm going to have to say, you know what? The business is not performing. I'm going to have to get rid of you. Same that they're going to get rid of me too as well if they're not getting paid. I'm the first one to get fired. You're the, you're the, the first one, right? Yes, because you're the, I'm the first one to know about it and I'm the mm-hmm. first one who's going to sell the bad news. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we're going to have to do X, Y, and Z. So mm-hmm. I can't play games. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I can't be, I mean, 40 go on the beach, just relax. So in the Caribbean, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's work every day, results it. Mm. and continuous improvement I like to get better and better and better every day mm. I'm very demanding to make X because that's the only way you stay in the game competitors mm. there's always somebody who wants to take your lunch Sandra mm. <laughs> if you got mm. something going good for yourself just know there's mm. someone else who wants your lunch mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sharing my lunch with anyone <laughs> but there you go well, nobody wants to share but they are going to try and this is Don't why sometimes so that's why competition uh, competition is good. I mm. like competition. It's like the best man wins, isn't it? Mm, definitely, yeah. definitely. So what do you think is the most valuable lesson you've learned from this whole entire journey? Yeah. From... Patient. Mm. Things don't always work out as you plan. Mm-hmm. Cash flow. Mm-hmm. Cash flow. Cash flow is everything. Cash flow. <laughs> When, when my books comes out, my free is cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. Mm. So when my book comes out, cash flow is very important. Mm. Make sure, man, just protect that cash flow because once it's run, it's, everybody runs away. I was going to ask you a question. I was going to say to you, what uh, resources would you recommend for someone interested in maximizing their full potential? But I think you, I know what resources you recommend, cash. <laughs> Personal development books. I've got a mm. lot of resources out there that have helped me. Brad Sugar, Action Code. There's a mm. lot of good books out there, resources, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't even know where to begin. There's that many that have changed mm-hmm. my life, you know? So which one, what, what book do you recommend right now that you're reading that you'd say this is definitely one that I would recommend for other people to read? Oh, let me look started at least. Let me, let, let me look for my folder. This is my classic folder. Okay. Got my classic book folder. Oof. 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 Which where one book? Okay, if, give us three books. What? I know that you don't want to give one. Just give us three books. Three books? Okay. Give us three books. Well, there's one called by Russell Simmon. It's mm-hmm. called Do You, The 12 Laws Access to Power in You to Achieve Happiness and Success. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I read that's one of his books actually when I was younger. I don't know how I came across it, but I did read one of his books. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good one. I've also got a little wins, the huge power of thinking like a toddler. That's Paul Lindsay. Okay. The co-founder of Ella, mm-hmm. the kids Mills. Mm-hmm. Paul Lindley, mm-hmm. Little Wins. So that is a very good book. Mm-hmm. And oh, there's another successful businessman. He's from London, actually. His name is Charles Gordon. He's called The Secrets of Empowerment. The Secrets of Empowerment. Love that. Charles Gordon. Can you tell me one, tell us how you maintain your healthy lifestyle while you're doing, you're pursuing all these things and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're making the money and, and the cash is flowing and what is it that keeps keeps you healthy? Because we want to keep healthy. We want to be able to carry on the oh, next day, mentally me, and want, physically. I go swimming three times a week. So Tuesday is my day for swimming. I'm in 6 a.m. So mm-hmm. I have schedule. 6 a.m. I'm in before the kids, before the phones and email. I do one hour. So I go in my spa and swim mm-hmm. and Thursdays and Sundays family. So that's what keeps me. I'm walking on Sundays as well because mm-hmm. I like to slow down. Mm-hmm. And also remembering for me that for me, my motivation is money. It's not money. It's to build a household name from mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. and just empowering other people can do the same, really. Okay. I want to say thank you so much for coming. First and foremost, I want to ask you about your book. I know you have a book coming out before I say thank you and say all the rest of it. So I want to hear about the book coming out. Who is it for? And when is it coming out? Because I want this book. (laughs) And where people can actually reach you. Well, again, I'm one of these very interesting. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm very low key. I'm not on LinkedIn. But people can reach me. There's, There's my Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. What's your Instagram handle? Yeah, um, my, my Instagram is dull because I don't do much posting. <laughs> That's okay. We want to hear it. Maybe, you know, maybe people want to follow you. And my Instagram is called Anil50Lace. Okay. Yeah, but there's no and, content on there. There's only one picture of me. That's okay. By the time you're, I'm done with you, you'd, you'd have thousands of pictures on there. <laughs> don't worry. Mm-hmm. I've grown up in that generation, obviously, being East African origin. We, we're taught to be humble, isn't it? Mm. We're not the type to be in everybody's face. Look at me, look what I'm doing. It's not part of our culture, the way I was raised. As you got to know me, there's a lot behind mm. me. But There is a lot behind you. And I, I want you to show off a bit more, but you, you, you refuse to do that. But that's fine. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get yeah, there. And the reason why I say that is not that I want you to show off, show off. I want you to teach other people that, you know what, you can have nothing or you can start off really small and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I want you to teach those young children, especially the young boys, that it's not about just having the latest trainers. It's not about having a lot of money. It's about having the little tiny things and doing something and building something out of those things. And that's why I want you to show off. And not I'm not doing it in a show off mm. kind of way. It's more of I just want you to reach more people. And the only way to reach more people, unfortunately, is for you to be on Instagram, be on Twitter, be on these social media channels so that people who really need your help and support can reach you. Well, and- yeah, I thought- I totally agree with you. You know, I've had a lot of people say to me, I know you should be a business coach. I want to even want to set up a children's home because I want to work with the youth, actually. Mm. It's only recently I begin to come out now. Normally, I would not done this type of talk before. I want to set up a children's home. I want to empower the youngsters. And my book is all about them. I want to come to London to resonate, mate. Forget the Gucci's, forget the Montclair's, the watches. All that stuff is relevant. Mm. Just focus on you. Know your why. Mm-hmm. And just be happy what you have. It's just, the main thing is have love and happiness. Because for me, mm-hmm. materialistic mm-hmm. things don't make you. 
I'm not made by materialistic things. It's by who I am. When people meet me, mm-hmm. who know me, they know what they're going to get. So I don't need big designers or crazy stuff mm. or crazy cars. Like, no, that's T- not tell mine. A, tell us a bit more about your book. Give us My book details. is going to yeah. be called Business in a Box. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, Business uh, in a Box. Shout, yeah. shout out loud. Yeah, the business in the yeah, box. I love it. That's yeah. going to be the title, which is going to explain about my experience, mm-hmm. how you can make successful from any box, basically. So, like, I'm from the UK. Space is very premium. It's very expensive. And my journey with vending was, was always making money from a very small square foot. Like, I'd be like in London. You know, mm-hmm. people live in boxes. You can have a little box like this that will cost you one five a month, two grand. Mm, so that's my mm. yeah that's my vending story my laundry my mailbox mm. it's all mm. about my cab they were not big mm. things but they mm. can make astronomical results so it's reminding mm. people size is not everything somebody in london can have a little box mm. two grand a month someone in birmingham or leeds can have a four bedroom don't even own as much so it's mm. reminding people that big mm. big even always best I love that. So it's, it's understanding location. Mm-hmm. For me, it's all about location mm-hmm. and square feet, just maximizing whatever you have, basically. So it's about sometimes you're working in a little home, you're sharing rooms, African parents, two feet in the room, you got mm-hmm. nowhere to work and study. So that box can become very powerful during them turbulent times. Mm-hmm. I've got, yes, definitely. My lights come out a little bit. Uh, can you tell us one thing that you would like the world to know? Just one thing that you would like the world to know. One thing the world I want them to know, I've traveled to over 30 countries. <laughs> yeah. Just say one thing that you want the world to know. Like, you know, okay, it could change in time, but just... One thing about me? No, tell us one thing that you want the world to know. It could be about yourself. It could be what you want to teach the world. It's just one thing that you want the world to know. I think for me, I want the world to know that undiscovered destinations are the best things in the world. Mmm, love it. Undiscovered destinations are the best things in the world. Yes. So true, so true, so true. So the, re- the reason I say that is linked to my Rafiki travel. So I was going to create a digital online mm-hmm. travel that takes people to undiscovered destinations, which shows about my passion about geography travel. I want to show basically people, places mm-hmm. and things. Not Dubai. There's a lot of places that out there that are so good, better than Dubai, but people have not found them yet. So it's to mm-hmm. show people actually undiscovered destinations. If mm-hmm. you get a chance to meet me, get to know me, mm-hmm. I've got some jam to share. So that's what, I, that's what I want the world to know. <laughs> Lovely talking to you, by the way. I'm going to let you go. This has been a journey for me as well. It's been an experience. I love your story, by the way. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming and thank you for your time. Yeah, it's a pleasure. If you have not already subscribed to this podcast, subscribe today so that you can be the first to get practical tips that can encourage you to embrace your full potential, helping you stay committed to your vision. And don't forget to share this episode and bless someone. This is Sandra wishing you tremendous wealth and a healthy lifestyle.